Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. All right, picking up the Batphone this week is SA's rising star, Will Collaroff himself. How's it going? I'm good, I'm good. You've had a good morning so far? No, horrible. No, worse yeah, than fast and grass to see. Yeah, horrible. You're 20 minutes late, man. I'm very yeah. upset. <laughs> no, I'm not upset at all. I've got to put you over, man. Like, I actually used you and your sort of career trajectory as an example for all of the guys at Trinity about why we wanted to change our criteria really? and protocols to get a, you know an initial amateur MMA bout. Yeah, yeah. Because up until that point, it was a very internal process. Yeah, yeah. But what I had seen you do, I mean, I know you were up in, was it Brisbane or Queensland? You were boxing? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, well, I wasn't there. I just went for a Golden Gloves. Went for Golden Gloves. Yeah, yeah. So boxing, then kickboxing bouts, grappling bouts, yeah. and then that led you to your inception into MMA. Yeah. And I thought that is such a comprehensive way to look at building someone towards their first amateur MMA fight. We need to replicate that because I saw the caliber that you were. Obviously, you were working off a relatively athletic base, yeah, yeah. but that skill progression and exposure to competitive environments in yeah. different forms, that set you up so well to transition into MMA. And I felt like if people were out there doing it, then we weren't, we were going to be left behind. Yeah. So I, that's one of the that reasons. That's literally like my exact plan. Mm. I want to start off with boxing, kickboxing, doing the grappling, and then making my way to MMA. And I saw um, when I went to DFC, I just, I don't want to like, be an arsehole. Say what you need to say. I, yeah, yeah, I did notice that the level wasn't quite there. Yeah. I noticed that people were having their first bout of a... Um, anything, a, almost. Yeah, of yeah. anything, literally. So mm. they just, first, the experience isn't there. And you always know that when you go in the ring or the cage, compared to sparring, you just sometimes end up doing things you wouldn't usually do. Yeah. So you need to be able to make all those mistakes in like your amateur boxing. Yeah. I, I know still that you, it's amateur MMA, but you don't have that many fights until you have to go pro. Yeah. Where you'll see like um, some Australians, they'll have, um, they might be 10 and 0 pro, mm. and they've had a few amateur bouts, but then they go against some guy in, like uh, Russia, mm. who's had you know 100 kickboxing yeah. fights, and then he's had his 10 pro MMA fights, and it's just too hard to be able to compete against guys like that. Uh, you are 100% correct, man. And I think the inception of MMA in this state, in general, like in the scene, there was no real amateur development process. For yeah. Us. So really, all we had was you could do some kickboxing or Muay Thai at a kickboxing or Muay Thai gym yeah. and you could do some jiu-jitsu and compete in jiu-jitsu and that was sort of what prepared you for MMA to yeah, a certain yeah, exactly. extent, right? Yeah. But there's so much more that goes into it now. We need to have like a really concerted effort towards amateur development in MMA and amateur bouts. In Definitely, MMA. yeah. I think the other thing was that given the nature of the types of shows that people are competing on, I mean, yeah. you brought up DFC, that's a very under-the-lights Type show. Definitely, yeah. I even mean, like I felt it. Adelaide Oval, it's a good setup. It's and yeah. it's a very professional setup. Yeah, definitely. Right? So you're having your first ever <laughs> yeah. amateur bout on a really professional show. You're gonna think that that's what it's like all the time. Yeah. So when you get matched up to fight again, you're like, fuck, I have to go through all that shit all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Eight week fight camp or whatever, and they're gonna put my poster out, and my face is gonna be everywhere. Yeah. I have to fight on this guy. Like, that's not really what amateur development is all about. We want to scale it back. I mean, imagine like, take a guy who's had three fights across a year and a half on DFC shows or uh, the Rising Stars shows yeah. and put them all on one day in a tournament, pad it up. Like you're getting massive amounts of experience yeah. and data in a less intense environment but it's truthful in the way that you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fuck it up and then you yeah, have a chance up. to come back yeah. later. But yeah, I really think that those things behind the scenes as well with mm. what we were talking about, like in a grappling competition, you get that trial and error, you can make mistakes, yeah. it's great, but you learn what competitive grappling is so much we can have talented but passive competitors in the gym, right? Yeah. You're going to pull guard, we're going to be loose, we're going to do really precise, fancy stuff because we're in our comfort zone, right? Yeah. But then when you have people who have different skill sets in a competitive setting, they're coming with pressure, they're coming with timing, they're coming with athleticism, and they're developing that competitive skill 
on the mat in competition. So you have to develop a competitive grappling style as well as like a, a smooth and, and gym style where you can learn. So you need to do that on the mats. And if you've never done that, and you try to do that in MMA, you're always gonna feel like the person's outworking you. And it's exactly the same with striking. Like you can have all of the fundamental technical knowledge that you can have in the world and come from a really good gym. But if the first time you actually get punched in the face in a fight is in an MMA debut, you're gonna gas very, very quickly because it's gonna be very, very shocking. And you need to develop a competitive striking style and just a thought process, an idea, before you ever go to MMA. One of the big things that I saw uh, as guys were developing through DFC is their style was obviously disjointed. Like it's, now I'm striking, now I'm grappling. Um, guys, not mixing it up. Not, not at yeah. all. But even in their approach to say, being on the bottom in guard, how much time are you really gonna spend in full guard yeah. in MMA? Yeah. You know I mean, I'd see so many people resign to full guard because that's what they know. That's jujitsu, right? I'm striking now. Oh, I'm on the bottom now, so now I'm in guard. And I'm yeah, trying. top like grappling is just completely different when it comes to MMA. The distances are different. Yeah, you're not safe in the middle distance. Like MMA exists in the middle distance between grappling and striking, right? So if you're very used to pressure passing through half guard, or you're used to having people close the distance on you when you're on bottom in half guard to pressure pass, and they sit up and keep you in the middle distance, keep you in a half guard, and keep landing sniping strikes on you that convolute your sweeping processes. If you've never experienced that before, yeah, it's just... It, it's complete, even like cardio, uh, yeah. with grappling, like sometimes you'll see um, a really good grappler in UFC, get choked out by just this random nobody. Hot elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you're so gassed and yeah. the gas tank with MMA grappling is just completely different. Yeah. So real quick movements, yeah. trying to block it, like all the strikes that are coming through. And you're having to perform tasks in different planes of movement yeah. as well. Like you're having to be technical when you're striking on your feet and that the clock is ticking, so you're trying to score, but you're trying to do damage, you're literally trying to win and hurt, hurt the opponent enough so that they have to stop. But when you hit the ground, you're having to perform tasks again, whether they're defensive and offensive tasks. It's a different process to what you've done before, but in no other rule set does that exist. So I, all the time I get pure strikers who are very fit, come in, as soon as they have to grapple in MMA, they gas. Same can be said for grapplers really athletic grapplers come in as soon as they have to strike at the same time all of their energy systems are thrown out yeah. it's, a, it's a completely different way of looking at things and I know that's that old adage like you forget to breathe but they just don't have the room in their head to think about breathing at that point in time but you've never had any of those issues you know? <laughs> so. oh, I mean everyone gets gas it's just about really just controlling your, um, your gas tank like how hard you go at the start I always like to try and um, ease into the round um, just because I've had that problem where my first boxing fight I just full throttle at the yeah. start gassed out lost the fight yeah. so I learned from that very quickly um, yeah you should control your gas tank yeah it's easier said than done and there's obviously other people as well that are better um, cardio than others yeah um, there's some people that can strike uh, that can hit really hard and then there's others that just Lots and lots of volume. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that sort of plays out stylistically as well. And that's yeah. Why, that's why fighting is so interesting. But yeah. I want to get more on you. We could talk, <laughs> we could talk about shit like no to no end. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. You, you may notice as well if you start to get me rambling, I'll just keep rambling. Yeah, yeah. So you're just gonna cut me off as soon as I need to. But stop. I would say that uh, like, you know, when I asked you to come onto the podcast, you were the quickest yes I've ever had. Oh really? Like, yeah, because sometimes it takes. What do people, people like? The usually, oh, I don't know, man. Like they don't necessarily want to talk on. Yeah. On a recorded. Oh, if I sound like an idiot, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I've got a lot of airtime of me sounding like an idiot. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not scared. And you're, you're only going to get better at it by doing it. So. Yeah, we can hope so. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I wanted you on the podcast, a, is because you were my archetype for to make yeah, yeah. people actually go into the cage properly, but b, because. I've watched your rides as well, and it's been really impressive. And uh, on the last podcast, I, I put it out there for my own thank yous, thanking the new generation for being so inspiring. You're part of that new generation with Pugliese and 
man, there's something going on at Eastside Rolling, bro. Like, uh, there's yeah, something. We're, we're in the, what, what the fuck is Mark <laughs> feeding you guys? Like, I, I tried to pull it out of the as well. supplements. Yeah, no. The uh, Mexican ground karate supplements. <laughs> Straight from Nicky Rod himself. Yeah. I'm sure they're the highest quality. Yeah, oh like, yeah, it is great. <laughs> Good chemist. But even even before that, man, like I think to just pinpoint one place in time is kind of selling you short. You've been a Rikers standout for a very long time. Yeah. SABJJ as well, AJA, Eastside Rolling sort of spawned from those areas as well. Yeah. You and Pugs have been training partners for an incredibly long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and none of this goes unnoticed. You know, like you think it's an overnight success. You think people see what you're doing on M16 Open and like, what, well, you just got good this year. No, this is years of attrition and thought. Very thoughtful process that's gone into it. And I just wanted to let you know that I've seen that happen and I'm very excited to see what happens next. I think when I put it out there to the, to the listeners, like, oh, what questions do you want to ask? Yeah. And everyone just keeps saying, when is Will going to go pro? Is Will going to come back to MMA? And this time, ah, okay. like, is there, I think what they want for you is the heights that you deserve. Yeah. And I, I understand that. I, I do understand that. But what it comes down to is what you want to do and what you feel passionate about in your life and in the realm of combat sports. And you've, you've put in so much work that I guess the question that I want to ask you is, where do you want to go? What do you want from it? Yeah, so um, when I was at Rikers, it was definitely um, MMA and tried again to UFC. Um, I did have a few like complications with myself throughout that process, but also at the same time, I just really delved into, I really looked into fighters and seeing how much they were making and seeing the struggles that they were going through. And I just, with the weight cutting as well, yeah. there, there's a lot of factors that are involved. Um, but yeah, sometimes when you're weight cutting and you're at work doing 50 hour weeks and you've got no nutrition in you, you, you your brain, you just turn into a potato. Mm. So that's one part of it. Weight cut's very hard. Um, second was, yeah, so like the money side of things. You see UFC fighters. I, I, I mean, people see Connor, oh, see how much he's making and see the other big fighters um, that are making big money. But you don't see the fighters that have only had one or two fights in UFC and then get um, booted and now are just doing regional fights. Yeah, especially from Australia. Yeah, like, To be yeah. realistic, I mean, I would like to know how much Jack Della got for his first fight. Exactly. I'd like to know how much Jimmy Crute's getting right now, like yeah. how they sustain their existence because it must be brutal. Yeah, exactly. And you've got people like Jimmy Crute would probably be ba- making... A little but, more now. Yeah, like a little yeah. more now, but he's also like done very well. Yeah. Whereas risk versus reward, I mean, I still love MMA, but I also love jiu-jitsu. I love boxing. I love kickboxing. And with jiu-jitsu now, I can train and also be working sustainably without having the troubles of weight cutting and feeling like a potato up inside the brain. <laughs> Man. Weight cutting is a real issue. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, with MMA, you got to train twice a day, and you obviously do jujitsu as well if you want to take it to that next step. But I feel like there is a big difference between MMA and jujitsu with the training because mm. you got so many arts you need to train. You need to do your kickboxing, get your wrestling in, get your jujitsu in, boxing. There's just so many more variables. Mm. Um, whereas jujitsu is just straight jujitsu. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like for me, I'm just going to focus on jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, I can keep pushing with jiu-jitsu and get um, to a certain level and then move back to MMA if I do yeah. feel like that's, that's what I want to do. Um, so, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time um, just doing jiu-jitsu, but I'm, I'm just having so much fun doing yeah. just jiu-jitsu. There's always something to learn. And I do sometimes get that itch to go back to boxing, kickboxing. But I feel like with jiu-jitsu, there's just so much to learn. Like, I'm a purple belt, but I feel like a white belt at times with certain positions. And then you feel like a beginner again. And then you might, for the next three months, just study that position. And then you're on to the next thing the, uh, after three months, you know? Yeah, it's a never-ending doctrine. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I know exactly what you mean. And I, 
I could only echo pretty much every sentiment you said. Yeah. I, even when I was fighting, I was fighting at 66. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Can the listeners hear? Why Will is like Will is like looking at me, looking at my body type, like oh, I don't believe. Yeah. I can show you photos, but like yeah, I literally almost died. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Not sure if you know, but I had a 17 centimeter blood clot in my uh, brachial axial. You seem to have a lot of blood clots. I've got an issue. Yeah. Right? I've got, uh, I've had my blood looked into. I'm yeah. still getting my blood looked into. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they can't find any clotting factors. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh shit. Maybe it's because I absolutely smashed myself athletically as a child and I've got forced clotting syndrome. You know what I mean? But yeah. I thought, we thought I had um, lymphoma. They thought I had cancer. Maybe I had factor five laden or something like this because it was very acute. It happened like, oh, holy shit. But no, it was because of weight cutting that. Yeah. It's because, you know, a hematologist did a study into it because I was 23 or 24 at the time. No smoking cigarettes, no alcohol, no nothing, right? Oh, you've got a massive blood clot in your upper body. And yeah. we're thinking about <laughs> taking your arm off. Like, yeah, oh, like what, what? Where is that from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on here? And it's like, okay. Because I was trying, I was chronically dehydrated, like clinically dehydrated, like someone coming on in off the desert level dehydrated almost all the time because I thought that's what I had to do to stay on and around weight. And you wouldn't have the info like you did now. Not anywhere near yeah. it. I was the info machine <laughs> of the data machine of how yeah. to not do it. You know what I mean? But the reason why that had happened... You're the guy nobody goes to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'd, I'd be, we would have just done sparring on a Saturday and I would put layers on after sparring, not drink any water, get in my car and drive down to the web and do open mat at Dylan's and car slam on the way. This type of shit. You know what I mean? But the reason I was doing that and I was trying to stay so lean all the time was because fight opportunities were whatever. Like, you, there was no amateur. You go straight to professional. There was no... This is pre, like, a consistent MMA down under as well. I was on the first... I was on the first MMA down under and the second MMA down under in a ring fighting yeah. MMA. You know what I mean? And outside of that, you had to travel interstate to fight. And you didn't know when your opportunity was going to come up. And they're not bringing you over to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're bringing you over to build their guy. So the only people you're fighting are fucking beasts. And I went through that same metamorphosis that you just depicted before where it's like, how much am I going to put myself at risk? How much am I putting myself yeah. at risk for what kind of return? And what do I really want? You know what I mean? Like you don't question it when you're that age. That's right. Yeah. You just want to be the best that you can possibly be. And we need to have to start to face these, these variables in real time because it's a reality that you're living and it changes the scenario. very. Yeah. Nobody sees when you're at home and injured and, if you have, if you, if that is your job, mm, you're yeah. sitting there with a ruined ACL, no income coming in. No, it's not the life you want. My, my dad fucking teared me up one day. I can't remember how old I was. I think I was 29, approaching 30. Yeah. And I was in, I was shattered. My body was shattered. And I was not, I'm 33 now. And I take, oh, not long ago. Yeah, not that long ago, man. Because you said 23 was your first. So you fought with the bad weight coming? Yeah, the, I was fighting around that time. Yeah, yeah. But um, when I was 29, my dad was like, because I was a swimmer when I was a kid, mm. since I was seven, and I started Muay Thai young at 12, wrestling at 14. I was playing rugby around the time, jiu-jitsu at 17, and well, all kinds yeah. of stuff, right? But he, the point of that is that he said, man, man I, I have not seen you go a day without being in pain since you were eight years old. Um, yeah, fuck. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah. I and you didn't realize it, then you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. Like, I wouldn't cry, you know. After yeah. I'm like, fuck, like, you know, what am I going to do about that? Am I going to spend another 20 years in pain and get worse? And from then there? worse, yeah. Like, man, it's very confronting. Yeah, very confronting definitely. stuff, but. But it's hey, needed as well. Yeah. And that's where jiu-jitsu comes into play. <laughs> because you can actually have longevity in the art of jiu-jitsu. And it speaks to the technically minded. And it allows you to study outside of what you're doing physically. And really make a difference to what you can apply. And it's such a good community as well. It, what you said about you can come away from it and go back to it. Man, this is what I said to Brando about MMA. Yeah. You know, like, but in the reverse way. Like, look at the Adesanya route to the UFC exactly, for example. Yeah. And he came away from 
you know, MMA competition to focus on being an elite striker, achieved that, and then came back around when he had status and had yeah. credibility and had skill because he was still silently working on all of those skills that he needed to transition well. And Brando can do the same, and he will do yeah, the same. Yeah, and that's what Jeremy at Rikers yeah. um, tried doing for me. Yeah. Get your kickboxing fights and have an MMA fight every now and then. And I only ended up doing one MMA fight, mm -hmm. but the plan was to do more kickboxing mm -hmm. And we we're going to do some boxing bouts as well, and then just do an MMA amateur bout every now and then. But also feel like that could be a bit hard. I'd have to maybe then do my MMA um, fights interstate because yeah. I feel like when you get that much experience, no one really wants to fight you. No, and, and I think at the amateur level, if you were to present it to a promoter, yeah. hey, fly in people for this amateur guy. Yeah, that's hard to sell. But, you know, with a name that you have, I mean, people know who you are in this state and people want to see you compete, maybe that would be more viable, you know, six months from now, yeah. or a year from now, or a year from then, when, you know, you've been on these M16 Open shows and absolutely crushing, which I've been very happy to, <laughs> to watch and I've been doing a little bit of, you know, a little bit of commentary on. I really liked yeah. that Purple Belt tournament, man, that little thing. Yeah, that was, was fun. Yeah, I loved it. It's a good, uh, good bout against Jesse. Yeah. I had lots of fun with that. That was cool, man. I think your style has really evolved now. I remember, uh, I remember you beating up Ryan Cooper at like a, a <laughs> yeah. I think it was a state championship, yeah, yeah. and Ryan was like, "Fucking Will's too athletic." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, like that's what happens." But you know, he's got a lot of respect for you till this day. Oh, like he's a great dude. He is a good guy. Yeah. But like, just the way that you approach your game now, I'm. I've seen the AJA influence of pulling like deep half guard and locking it down, right? Yeah. But now you're starting to invert reverse de la Hiva. You're starting to enter into leg entanglements from it. And the way you're linking that strategically with your pre-existing passing game has led to this cycle of attack that is very, very difficult to defend against. And your ability to finish on the back and finish with chokes excellent man it's, it's a game that can be replicated at any level at any weight class and you can just keep building on it from here um, I know that when you hear outside assessments of your own game you're like you know what I do other shit too like, yeah, yeah. but how do you feel about your jiu jitsu and what you've been doing uh, in my head as soon as you said that you do well on the back I almost thought when I take the back uh, I feel like I do a lot better that's just choke people though <laughs> that's just like me being me um I feel like, um, yeah, so I've definitely um, introduced a lot more leg locks um, and I like to pull guard a lot more now. But it's more just to do with the rule set as well. Yeah. So I see like uh, ADCC, it's the oh, big, everybody wrestles, that's all you mm. do. But points don't start until five minutes in. Mm. So for me, I just, I mean, I might do it, but also I, don't, I just don't see the point. Like, well, I'm going to take someone down. Like I, there was a um, there was uh, one match on M16. I forgot who it was, but um, one guy was smashing the, his opponent, and then after the five minutes ran, he got swept or something like that, and mm. the dude sat on him and just got points for five minutes. Yeah. And if I was to wrestle and grind it out for that first five minutes, first so five. don't really gain anything unless I get a submission. Yeah. You just don't really see the point, whereas I can... Yeah, I think the rest is like the last 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I still... I'd like to introduce um, my top game again as well. Mm -hmm. I did um, my last match with uh, Rob from Tassie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was playing uh, top, but I think he pulled guard. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I was looking to pull guard. Where's <laughs> <laughs> guard pullers? <laughs> but it was presented to me, yeah. so I was like, all right, it looks like I'm going to be passing now. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting, though. Like, I think that out of all of the clubs in SA, in terms of the ADCC rule set, yep. I've seen Eastside Rolling and M16 play to the rule set the best. I've seen deliberate strategy changes midway through the match. Yourself and Pugs have both been able to pull this off. Yeah. Uh, you change the distance, you change your intent as well. Yeah. Something I saw Pugs doing was like probe passing. So right in that first five, he likes to play on top, obviously. He's not yeah, yeah, he loves he's it. Gonna be, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to stop him. <laughs> no. But he would probe pass and do percentages of passes. 
Whether he realizes he's doing it or not, he's sort of testing the waters, right? No, and that's that right. First, second five pulls the trigger on them and puts them under the pump, and he will create a situation where he's not going to get leg locked. And when they feel that they can't sweep him and his base is too strong to leg lock, they'll take a chance to wrestle up and he'll get up on the yeah, neck. Yeah, grab that neck. And that happens in that second five when he starts the initial pressure and then changes the pressure, creates the urgency and gets yeah, the submission. You're exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, Pugs is just so hard to sweep, even leg lock as well. Um, but that's where him and I do really well with training each yeah. other because we just bounce off each other really well. Um, yeah, it's just a great training plan. Have you ever guillotined it? <laughs> uh, I feel like I've been close because I can hear him gurgling and then, oh, was that close? Is that? No, no, I just do that. I'm like, I just do that. You bastard. I just do that. <laughs> He's very hard, very hard. It was more of a crank than a chip. Yeah, yeah, one of those, yeah. Oh my God. But then it makes my guillotine better yeah. when I go to verse other people and then I get a guillotine really easily. I'm yeah. like, oh, is that, is that a legit choke? Are you just being, are you just being a pussy? Oh my God. <laughs> But that was a really good day for you guys, um, the last M16, but when you had the tournament as well, you're both coming away with belts. I mean, what you guys are doing, it's obviously special. There's obviously something going on with Mark and inside that is special. You know? And I know that he comes from an era of guys who, because we had such a, an eclectic mix of influences and we did actually have to piece things together for ourselves, we understand the importance of allowing creativity to occur yeah. within a student base. So it's like, here's your home, here's your hub, smash it out, test it out, but get information from everywhere that you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that he's just done it the exact right way. And yes, it is a smaller group, so more attention can be sort of given Quinter. to those people. Yeah. But I mean, that's how, that's what elite training rooms really look like. Yeah. You know, they don't look like 50 to 60 people on the mat at the same time. It condenses down. And that's where the champions are. Well, yeah, that's, that's what Mark um, spoke to me about. So it's good that we have that small group, but then sometimes he says, as well, like, you need to go out and mm -hmm. go to other gyms and um, just get more experience yep. from other people. So that's why I've been at a Rudy now, my brother. Yep. And then I'll go to Mark's as well. So I just spend time at both gyms. Yeah, and it's just been so good for my development. you got Leo's, such a great coach. And, and then you've you, you got Mark as well. Yeah. Like, he's just perfect. Yeah. Leo, oh man, you were at the last grading, hey? yeah, yeah. you heard what I said, he, he's like, oh, I remember you, I'm applauding this guy, and I'm like, man, you told me back in the day, like, you told me I'm applauding, he's like, man, your applauding is bad, <laughs> it's bad, I'm like, what, I just did my head in for six months and trying to get better at this applauding, so if you know, 10 years later, being to go, yeah, you know, you're very really good over Blatter, Nick. I'm yeah. like, fuck. And everyone's like, oh, yes, yes. And in your head, you're like, what? Wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> nah, he's good, man. And I've seen yeah. him change over the years as well. Like, he's more like a, a retired pro surfer now, you know what I mean? In his, in his demeanor, you know, whereas before he was like that fiery ass dude he couldn't approach. But, yeah. you know, he's seen me grow up as well. Like, from, from when I was a kid and, and where I've gone, like, I, I think I said at the grading as well, like, it means a lot to be graded by these people that you respect and look up to, but it also means a lot to the people who are handing out those belts yeah. to be able to do that for you. And I know that when Mark gives you your brown, it's going to mean a lot to him and to you, and it's going to be so well earned. But unfortunately, you have to go on and have a match with one of South Australia's favourite people in general. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where we got the announcement. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh shit, okay. Here no, it comes. I, um, sprain, <laughs> sprain my AC um, joint in the shoulder. Oh, so I messaged Alan. I was like, sorry, man. We're just going to have to do it next time, which is unfortunate because I was really excited for that match. Yeah. He always brings um, such good pace and exciting match. So us together would be... Um, yeah. It's such a clash fun. of styles. Yeah. I was looking forward to it, but also, like, I, I'm kind of relieved. That you're not yeah, yeah, because you're not going to go for it, but like, you guys are so good. Like, yeah. I, don't, I just want you guys to both win. Now, how does that happen? I suppose having a match with each other is how you both win, because yeah, you both yeah. get that experience. But, yeah, Alan is just so elusively technical. I think that's probably one of the best ways to put it. Like, yeah. You believe that the role is going in a certain way, but he's he's so wily and he traps you so, so everybody smooth. everybody says that yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah and even watching him too yeah you notice it so yeah he's he's one of those 
like old school where in the way where the, the way that he rolls in the academy is very separate to the way that he rolls in competition very separate yeah uh, which is a bit like uh, Vidler very much like Vidler yeah because I felt that as well when I was um, versing Luke yeah um, so I rolled with him at M16 um, quite a few times mm. and yeah the demeanour definitely changes when um, it comes to competition it's uncanny man like, and I think probably MMA has done that for them as well. Like, yeah. they understand how to perform, and they understand the difference between being in the gym and the pace and intensity mm. you need to bring. But it's just night and day. Like, Alan, I feel like he's suckering everyone in. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's that's what he's doing. He's just like playing loose. And like, oh yeah, and nah, 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 yeah. bang, and you're just submitting. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, man, but you, your style is. I'm kind of the opposite. I just like. When I'm training, I'm always just going 100%. Oh, bro, I remember, I think it was one time I've rolled with you. Or, or we probably I think a few times. A I remember times. one time was at um, the old Trinity. Yeah. And then another session when uh, we were at Pro Progressive. Progressive. Like, yeah, uh, that's the that. one I remember. Because yeah. I came, like, I was, like, looking for a chilled night, you know what I mean? I was, like, not really in the best shape at the time and shit. You tapped me, like, 12 times. Oh, fuck off. Don't say that. That's <laughs> terrible. Don't say that. <laughs> I, rem I okay, so that may or may not have happened. But yeah, I, I remember it different because I remember James was there as well. Yeah, that's actually yeah. a really fun night. To be yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember it quite fun. Yeah, but I remember like being a minute into rolling with you and being like, I am very tired. <laughs> I'm extremely tired. Like I'm way more tired than I should be in this moment. I can't remember what I was trying to do. But yeah, but it was it was a lot it was of leg fun. locks. Lovely yeah, locks. a lot of leg locks. That's maybe where it stemmed from. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been doing leg locks for a long time, man. You know, the first submission I ever learned was the inside heel hook. Yeah? Yeah. As, who would have taught you that? Well, because when I started doing jiu-jitsu, like, it was for MMA, right? Yeah. So, Pavel Lugoski, who was my wrestling coach, and he was he trained under Lubo and all those guys, and he was playing rugby. Yeah, is he in rugby? I think he's still around, but he doesn't okay. grapple anymore. Okay, he, yeah. was, he was a great guy and a yeah. great coach, and he was in my corner for my first fight as well. You know, you can ask any of the uh, down south wrestlers about him; they'll know who he is. Um, but he was very progressive minded, and he knew that yeah, I was good at wrestling, but I was going to be a fighter. So I remember also like. Uh, Frank Shamrock came out and did a series of seminars in South Australia. Yeah. Like, was it one of those Gracie ones where they just do the, the old push and pull and then you get a photo of them? He, he <laughs> is a, he is a strange character, man. Yeah. Like, if you ever look into any interviews with him or any, like, documentaries about him, he is an odd cat. He's got a few demons? He is odd, bro. Yeah. And so, he was rolling with everyone. Okay. And, and yeah. I watched Pavel roll with Frank at this seminar at what was formerly the ABS Academy, ABS Academy, which was like the first place you could do valet tudo, yeah. you know what I mean, in South Australia. And that's where I was training. And a lot of guys went through there. So many guys went through there. But yeah, that's another odd story from, <laughs> from history. But like, I remember seeing that. So that's and, where you... Yeah, the submission that he yeah. taught was hill hook. And I'm like, fuck. Like, so that hey. was your first... Um... Is that one of your first sessions doing jiu-jitsu and you went to Kind of, yeah. yeah. But I didn't, they weren't calling it jiu-jitsu, man. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. were calling it, he was like, this is pancreas, pancreas. Yeah, this yeah. is like submission wrestling. This is valet tudo. So. Yeah, so it's like jiu-jitsu. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like jiu-jitsu. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like jiu-jitsu. But yeah, that's like, man, I remember, you know what I mean? And then, of course, I go to other clubs and try to do this only submission I've ever learned. Like, what are you doing? Like, get away uh, from those legs. That's terrible. But all these years later. Nowadays, it's like, yeah, that's normal. Got to teach it to the white belts or even just give them a, like, a general understanding. Yeah, even if not for the uh, the understanding of the defensive properties. Yeah, well, yeah, usually like, that's what... Um, yeah gets taught is the defensive side of it. Make sure you know when you're in danger and to tap. And don't spin the uh, wrong way. Man, all submissions are dangerous. You know yeah, I mean? like, yeah. If you really teach an armbar precisely and line up all of your anatomy and you really stretch them out, and you've curled up your feet, you've got a big bridging zone, you will obliterate someone's elbow. Yeah. Right? If they don't know how to tap, or if you're an asshole, you'll do that. You know what I mean? But it's the same. Like, if we, if we can normalize to a certain extent the parameters of heel hooks and yeah. it can be common knowledge and shared knowledge, we can reduce the danger. Definitely reduce it. I feel like it's a lot easier to 
snap something um, with an inside heel hook. Oh, yeah. Being you get like a white belt to a black belt yeah. compared to an armbar. Yeah, you know that white belt to black belt level. I think so as well. And the, the shocking thing is, it's it's actually getting even more efficient. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you look at that Lachlan Giles like fifty fifty inside heel hook with the cross step flaring your knees and putting your hips there. It's just yeah, like, you're just like, like oh yeah, shit, man, that looks terrifying. That explains like the knees and yeah. how it actually works. I'm like, oh, this guy's a wizard. Like, That's cool. Man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for making it ten times worse. And then you know he's got other videos where he's like, don't do heel hooks because it's like, hey, it's yeah, like, wait, what? <laughs> So you're giving us two sides of the coin, the reason why it's so bad, and how to make it more efficiently bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? but, oh, thank you. You're, you're, you're the uh, angel and the devil at the same time. But, uh, I think that's I think that's a great depiction, actually, about why people like us stay in the art. is because, look, all these years later, you've got like guys like that coming out and hyper-refining details on submissions that you know, I learned a decade ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's just such incredible minds that are within the sport and within the art that it excites you you know yeah. that things come and go like bolo is really big kimura traps really big like all of these elements are still there bolo is now being I feel refined. like it's being reintroduced they're trying to introduce it into like no gi yeah the, it, the okay. refinement mechanics for no gi but it's yeah. less from top position oh, sorry less from bottom position more from transitional positions and top position yeah. and passing yeah. so if you understand the wedging and winding mechanic of a bolo and how to climb to the back and the issues with when you're trying to utilize it and your legs aren't working for you or the trajectory of the roll is wrong. Yeah. And your anatomy as well, the style of bolo that you should be looking for if you're a lengthy person versus a short person. When you get into the details of those, it'll be at your disposal. It's yeah. a tool that you can use. People get very good at it and create a system around the mechanic and then that's a huge part of the game, like Declan. Yes, right? yeah. Or people can use it opportunistically and snipe for it, and, and that's equally as powerful. Yeah, there is so much to it. I um, I went to a seminar with uh, Levi in Byron Bay. Yeah, I think he and, has um, the most evolved oh, it's just, um, Barambolo game of anyone. Yeah, in it was insane. Mm -hmm. The things he, would do he was doing, was I felt like a white belt again. And that's what I mean, where you're not... Um, so great in certain areas and then you have to start that beginner level again and yeah. work your way up yeah when you realize it's just yeah i'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> but like i did i go and i have conversations with leo and yeah. shit and i'm like ah fucking suck man no i've got a, i've got a ways to go like i know what i am you know i am yeah. i'm a good analyst very good analyst, but yeah. i struggle to analyze myself because I'm fucking all over the place. Like, I just... I feel like being well-rounded is a good pathway. Yeah. But I see the merit in being very precise and single-minded when it comes to competition. So, well. is that... Like, um, when you analyse yourself without having footage? Do you feel like? Like, when you Potentially. Do because yeah. I feel like if you had footage of yourself, you'd be you'd be all over it. I'd be very sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, fuck this guy. Yeah, he just turned off straight away. Shit, like, what is this going Ten on? Ten seconds there? in. Oh, look at that shitty back step. <laughs> back steps are dead, kid. Like, no, it's, no, it's alright. No, I'll get there eventually, but it, it has to be that way. Yeah, that's what makes a good competitor yeah. is always being tough on yourself. Yeah, it is. I, I do the exact same thing. Like you tell me, oh, you. Your back control is amazing. Oh, fuck, fuck my back control. Yeah, fuck that. I'm like, well, you are getting chokes. Yeah, so yeah. It must be working to a certain extent. Ah, that's good shit, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to what is to come this year. Hopefully, shoulders. Yeah, yeah, man. for sure. Yeah. I mean, stuff the year, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, and there's lots of opportunities coming out. Even with the MMA crew, I'm like, hey, look at look at what is actually going ahead in terms yeah. of. Competitive opportunities. Yeah, Ninja Fury. There was one, but they get cancelled. It's it's tough. Yeah. MMA had one show in like two had shows a, in two years. Uh, boxing. The boxing. I, the I boxing think set. that amateur boxing might be something these guys need to look into a little bit. I feel like that's always the like I'd say it would go grappling. Yeah. Boxing. Yeah. Then like your Ninja Fury, yeah. and, and then MMA in terms of. Um, Less intense to yeah. intense like spotlights and stuff. I agree. 100%. Because with the boxing, you get the headgear. Um, and you're doing kickboxing as well, but you know sometimes you get caught with that 
cheeky head kick and yeah. like shin levers aren't the, aren't <laughs> yeah. the easiest thing to get your head around. Like, yeah. Get around your head pretty fucking fast. <laughs> I don't want to get concussions, man. That's, that's I've been, real deal. I've got uh, not a concussion, but I've been pretty fortunate in my boxing days when I was younger. I don't know if it's concussion, but I used to get cracked and then I'd have pins and needles down my spine and then I'd have that like ringing sound. It's like, yeah. That's, that's, that's a flash, yeah. yeah. So you've just been in yeah, a car crash, maybe. basically, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't feel um, shit after the yeah. training session. But that, that's happened a couple of times to me. Yeah. Um, I've had some other calls as well. I've been kneed in the head mm. on accident, but a couple of stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is what I haven't really had anything too well, bad. I mean, you get a lot of you get some acute damage in fights right you yeah might, you might get cut in a fight although most people who fight get cut less often than they fight. like you don't get cut every fight most yeah. people when you get to higher levels you fucking do right? mm. you do so something that i've realized as well is uh yeah concussions are a real thing injuries are a real thing the reason why people at higher levels talk about training pace yeah and training with a little bit more uh caution or maybe just a little bit more care is because the consequences at elite levels are different so on regional shows like dfc how many of those competitors go to hospital after the show yeah maybe one yeah maybe one or two yeah when i was in jakarta with tony on one fc we're (laughs) all in the hospital (laughs) yeah that's the after party right tony is in a bed next to john lineker and and they've just been through this a million times yeah yeah he broke his hands yeah fuck my dad his his nickname is hands of stone (laughs) and he broke his (laughs) hand you know what i mean but it's just because everyone is so elite and precise and dangerous that every shot that gets thrown and everything that is happening in that Octagon is dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. So when you get to that elite level, the what you face in the cage is so confronting that what you do in sparring has to sort of it can't mirror it. You can't go at that pace all the time. When you're at this regional level, you you may not have been exposed to what full intensity actually is. Yeah. So there is a case for having a higher level of competitive sparring when you're forming a competitive style, right? But when you get to that higher level, the consequence of yeah, trying to do both yeah. is really, really confronting. And I, I know guys, and I know that you know guys as well, who have had issues with concussion, and it can be a demon that plagues your entire existence. Yeah. It's not cool. It's yeah, not it's not cool. something, yeah. But, yeah, everyone, uh, everyone needs to be safe within this art within combat sports yeah. and I think that that's why no one in this day and age would be like yeah Will wants to do grappling that's shit you know everyone's like Will wants to do grappling that's exciting man I want to see Will do grappling because we all get it you know we all get it and we all want to see good things for people that's yeah. like, I'm 33 I'll be 34 this year man I'm getting married I'm fucking old bro my spine is old yeah congratulations uh, I appreciate yeah. that but I'm super happy to be in that role now yeah because now I can sort of I can just be happy for everyone. I'm not yeah. super competitive. I like to see new people come through and establish new academies, new gyms, new people, new levels. Like mm. it makes me excited and it keeps me in the sport. It keeps me in the art. You know what I mean? So yeah, we've, we've all got a lot to be thankful for in that regard. Definitely. As long as you're happy. Um, and I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves in terms of like um, competition. Mm. You always like have your coach saying, oh, like, when are you doing the next fight? When are you doing the next fight? But at the end of the day, you just got to do it if you love it. Yeah. Like the only reason I compete is just literally just so I can get better. Because yeah. I know that if you want to get to that elite level, you have to compete. Mm. Whenever you've seen some guys just like the gym assassin and then assassin and then he goes to ADCC and wins. That is yeah, it doesn't happen. Um, they've all had like a pretty staunch competitive history. Yeah. Especially formative years. Especially white and blue and purple. You should be on those com- competition mats as Definitely. much as you can possibly be. Yeah. I know nowadays, as it's only really in this state, like brown belt and black belt, there's not as much competition going on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's because we're all old and broken and we know we're just going to get beaten by Declan. So <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck am I going to pay 80 bucks? I can yeah, just go yeah, get yeah. fucked up by Declan. 
Just go in 16. We've all done it. It's all yeah. the same, right? He came to comp class and made me sad. But, um, yeah, when you're at that level, if you really are decent, you're going to likely be seeking out some super fight opportunities mm. anyway. Yeah. You know? But grappling competitions are accessible right now for all of us, for everyone in the combat sports community. So why not take advantage of them? And I think the more we can get Synergy Pros and States and grappling industries, AGCs and M16 Opens, we never had that before and we need more. We need even more. Yeah, I feel like we need probably a bit more in terms of the higher belts Yeah. Um, with those smaller uh, like grappling industries yeah. and um, States and stuff like that. Whereas a lot M16, you get heaps of brown yeah. black belts, high-level purple belts. And that's exactly what I'm saying, man. Yeah. It's a super fight format. They don't have to go through the tournament rigor that they've gone through in the yeah. past. And it's more And don't have to pay 80 bucks to... 100%. Yeah. Man. Or a minimum 80, man. Oh, yeah. Like, 80 plus 80 on divisions, you know. Some shit. Like, oh, it's ridiculous, know. yeah. Oh, uh, but plus your registration fee. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Come really. on, man. Like, Gym registration fee. like, what the fuck? Going on here. I'll just hook you up to my bank account and you can take my paycheck for the next eight weeks. Yeah. Then let me compete. You know? Yeah. I feel like in interstate though, you go to Melbourne and Sydney, some of the um like the state um competitions yeah. there, they're big. Even like there's lots lots of um black belts competing. One hundred percent. When I went um last year, it was just really good to see and I really like that yeah. for SA but just a bit harder. We obviously don't have as many people. Yeah. There's so many gyms in Melbourne. I reckon that's the only lacking point. Definitely, yeah. South Australia, because we have an incredible uh, talent level here. We really do. Yeah. Uh, pound for pound, some of the best in Australia. And if you look at who's making waves internationally, they're from fucking Adelaide, man. You know what I mean? Like Craig Jones and Isaac Mitchell, they're from Adelaide. Oh yeah, Isaac's just killing it. I can't believe how. Oh, yeah, he's I got doing tapped it. out by him and Blue Belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, now I'm gonna sound old, but I remember Little Eklund. Yeah. And I remember a little Isaac, you know what I mean? I remember a time period in which you're going to roll with them and, you know, they're 14, 15. You're like, man, this kid's real good. You know, this is good. Oh, I'll play with Oh, look, he did this cool little move. And I was like, oh, no, nah, man, my back hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably, uh, probably next round. My knee's still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my knees, I'm still healing my knee. Got a black clock here, here, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't fucking do anything, all right? Isaac, don't make me look bad. Okay? <laughs> I, I like, we should all just cut the shit at some point and just be like, this dude makes me look real, real bad. Yeah. Real bad. Like, yeah, just, there's nothing I can do to that kid now. I'm sure. I haven't rolled with him in a long time. But yeah. I'm just assuming. <laughs> but, it's a good assumption. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. But uh, look, it's, he's doing so well, man. How can you not be happy for him? Yeah. He's from right here in Adelaide, you know what I mean? So uh, a lot of the people that have listened to podcasts that I've done in the past, I mean, they didn't even realize that, man. They didn't even realize that these guys are from here uh, so it's like yeah. the light bulb goes off it's like no actually jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu like you can do it and get good at it and get better at it if you're dedicated you know? yeah that's especially what you want to do with all the information that's out there you just gotta invest a bit of money you know get some instructionals <laughs> get some mexican ground karate yeah yeah, yeah. supplements <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah oh man that was i reckon one of the funniest days is when uh craig I was talking to Craig, Craig Jones, yes, we've spoken before. Actually, I'll tell you, a funny, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story though, actually, because I was in Jakarta, as I said, with Tony, and uh, in the hotel that they had, in the lobby, there's just one room, right, uh, that is a fucking MMA gym, right, in the hotel lobby of where we were staying. Which but there's an like, MMA gym in the hotel in, lobby? In the hotel lobby. What kind of witchcraft is that? <laughs> And it's in like this politically neutral zone of the entire state and yeah. country and there's like a hospital right next to it. But anyway, all the guys from across every club who was competing on 1FC on that day, they're all working out in the same room. So I'm there, I'm like, fuck, I better roll with these dudes, you know what I mean? So rolling happened, stuff happened. Afterwards, they're asking me about it and they're like, oh, what, what belt are you? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm black belt. I'm a black belt. Yeah, you don't, when you're a black belt, you don't want to say that shit, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But, they're obviously asking me for a reason, you know what I mean? John and Lineker's friends were like filming me and stuff like that. It was pretty embarrassing. Um, but they're like, oh yeah, cool, you're black belt. No, I think, you know, we can see that. Yeah. You do a lot of leg locks. Um, where are you from? I'm from Australia. So, do you know Craig Jones? Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> yes, I do know Craig Jones. Fuck, we're not all from the same place, but we kind of are. But yes, but he was talking to me at a Synergy Pro, right? Uh, when he just beat me up four times in a day. <laughs> That's oh God, what this that, was like. This is like purple bell. 
Brown. Brown Browns. Yeah. So he, yeah, that's what everyone remembers from that day is just him beating the fuck <laughs> out of me. I had to make it to the final every time, and no one remembers that, of course. That's alright. Four they just different really games. Yeah. That's what everyone was watching. But I remember talking to him, and I'm just like, you know, we were talking about, because he, he had now been exposed to those higher levels. He'd been traveling and he'd come back, and I'm like, man, what was it like out there? And he's like, yeah, unfortunately, man, they are all like using stuff. Like it is, pretty, yeah, it, it, it yeah. is pretty rampant across the entire globe. And I started naming people. I'm like Gaval, and he's like, yeah. "Come on, man!" Like we're joking, right? And I'm like, "What about like this guy?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "What about what about this guy?" He's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "What about Rafael Mendez?" And he's like, "No, no, no way, man! They're pure jujitsu. Like those guys aren't those guys aren't juicy." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "No, man, you're a fucking idiot!" Like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, like, and I'm like, "Ah, they're all on it, bro." Like, you have to you have to get around it. As soon as you turn 14, they're just, "Hey, OJ, here you go, big fella." <laughs> Call the bartender. <laughs> just fucking look at the body Dude, transformation. He's my idol, and he's like 16. It's so embarrassing. Like, yeah. there's there's only a select few group of people. <sighs> In the jiu-jitsu community, who have a, currently have a poster of a sixteen-year-old yeah. boy on their wall, I think you the, might be one yeah, of them. Yeah, look, hey, hope this doesn't get out there. And I hope, hope that doesn't lose any context for yeah, the yeah. people that are listening to this right now. Take from it what you will, yeah. okay, guys. But nah, man, like look at his body transformation. Yeah, when he rocked up to the ADCC East Coast Trials and beat fucking Keith Gregorian in the final and oh, shit. That kid's insane. Nah, he's gonna be amazing. But yeah, I mean they're all juiced up monkeys, but everyone's juiced up. Just... Yeah, he's still good at jujitsu. Right? Oh, that, yeah, you can't take that away. Like no. he's an absolute beast, but it's just. It's unfortunate. Yeah. At some point, I would really like the sport to get regulated, especially if it's gonna make its way into an international scene and it's going to be a professional sport because yeah, when yeah. you've got money on the line man like people get weird and if people are literally for good reason yeah well yeah. yeah exactly like if people are literally cheating you out of a living then you're going to get like it's going to get bad and then as well when you lose maybe at a lower level then you start to think oh are these guys maybe yeah. taking it to is that what I need to do to get to the next 100% step? it filters down and it always has my saving grace is Marcelo Garcia you can't tell me that that guy's ever been juicing his life. Like, I see that guy and I'm like, man, I want to be like you. You know, I'm just going to be on the same boat as you. We'll, we'll just go with hope. You know? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with hope. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're coming towards the end now. Thank you so much for coming. No, thank you. Thank you. Man. It's, it's awesome. always fun. I, I want more people like yourself to come on. I'm so glad that you said yes. And I've had a blast talking to you. But as we move towards the end, I always give time for people to say thank you to anyone who they wish to say thank you to. So please, take the floor. Um, well, obviously Mark, my brother James, even people like Anthony, Jeremy, uh, Richie, uh, Elliot, everyone from Rikers. Um, yeah, I'm just like, trying to think who else you put me on the spot. I know, I'm <laughs> on the spot. It's kind um, of like what goes through your head is like, like even like my, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my earliest stage as well, like Michael Toyama. Yeah. Kane as well has been great yeah, help. Yeah. Now, um, like I said, the mix with Leo and uh, Mark. Thanks to everyone. Brilliant, man. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to see what the future comes. I'm silently relieved that you're not going to have a match with Alan, but maybe it'll happen down the road. It'll happen, yeah, bit. yeah. But yeah, whatever happens in the future, whether it's a, a return to MMA, a professional uh, grappling career, I'm going to be right there in support with some popcorn, awesome. man, and <laughs> analyzing away. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Where's that reverse delay going now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Guys, stay tuned. We'll be back. Same bad time, same bad channel for all the bad fans out there.